Cause you plotting like hell every time we try to prevail. Now you scared cause people waking up out of the spell. They tell a black man forget what was done to him. They say that just to hide the fact that what was done to blacks was done upon to them. See, we've been picked to be the victims. So begging the system to treat us equal with them is a contradiction. Go and listen to John Ehrlichman who worked for Nixon. Said the war on drugs was meant to lock blacks up and restrict them. Talk Radio. This is Derek Talley. I'm with my man Bomba Clot. What's up, Bomba? What's good? It's about to get deep tonight. That's right. Today, we're going to be talking about the prison industrial complex, and we're going to also touch on a documentary that we just saw called 13th by Ava DeVernay, which is a very good documentary. I'm going to start off with the fact that the 13th Amendment never ended slavery. The 13th Amendment, Section 1, says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. And Section 2 says Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Now, there's a lot that happened between the 13th Amendment being introduced in 1865 and President Nixon's term in office starting in 1969. But for the sake of the war on drugs and how it applies to the prison industrial complex, we're going to skip to the President Nixon reign in office and see how it's still affecting us to this day. Richard Nixon's domestic policy chief, John Ehrlichman, here's a quote. He said, Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Now, what am I talking about? Well, here, let me explain. This from Vice.com, posted May 22nd, 2016. The headline reads, a former Nixon aide admitted the war on drugs was designed to, quote, screw over blacks and hippies. According to Watergate Mastermind and former Richard Nixon aide John Ehrlichman, the then president launched a notorious and ongoing war on drugs in 1971 to disrupt that administration's two greatest perceived threats, black people and anti-war leftists. The brazen quote surfaced in the April cover story of Harper's Magazine that was written by Dan Boehm and went online Tuesday. The reporter recalls an interview back in 1994 in which Ehrlichman bluntly explained the whole thing. Quote, the Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? Ehrlichman told Baum. We knew we couldn't make it illegal to either be against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana, 
and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt their communities, we could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did, end quote. Now, uh, what do you think after reading that article, Pombo? Um, pretty crazy. It is crazy. And just as I know, um, the United States makes up 5% of the world's population and 25% of all the world's prisoners. And now we we find out that the war on drugs was was meant to take down the black race. I, you know, I don't really think they they're worried about too many anti-war leftist hippies anymore. But um, if you look at the what the the role of the CIA, not only did the CIA use LSD and mind control experiments. But the CIA was collaborating with drug traffickers moving cocaine and marijuana to the United States and using a share of its profits to finance Nicaraguan Contra rebels. They used that cocaine to destroy the black community. They used the war on drugs to put away one in three black males in the United States. They used the exception clause in the 13th Amendment to reenact slavery, which was technically never ended if you read the 13th Amendment. And then they used federal prison industries or Unicor to get free and slave wage labor out of millions of inmates for companies such as Burger King, Walmart, Victoria's Secret, and many more. Yeah. I mean, you have to include uh, BP, McDonald's, AT&T, Aramark, and uh, Whole Foods. Yeah, there, there's many companies that are involved in that. I believe Whole Foods pulled out because of okay. Um, okay. yeah they they have they had a, um, a bad press for them. <laughs> they market to the hippies, <laughs> so yeah that was. <laughs> but many of these prison industrial complex laws were made by Alec. Now, what is Alec? This is from the website AlecExposed.org. ALEC is not a lobby. It is not a front group. It is much more powerful than that. Through the secretive meetings of the American Legislative Exchange Council, corporate lobbyists and state legislators vote as equal on model bills to change our rights that often benefit the corporation's bottom line at the public's expense. ALEC is a pay-to-play operation where corporations buy a seat and a vote on task forces to advance their legislative wish list and can get a tax break for donations, effectively passing on the lobbying costs on to the taxpayers. Along with legislators, corporations have memberships in ALEC. Corporations sit on ALEC's tax force and vote with legislators to approve model bills. They have their own corporation governing board, which meets jointly with legislative boards. Corporations fund almost all of Alex corporations. Now here's the kicker. Participating legislators, overwhelmingly conservative Republicans, then bring those proposals home and introduce them in state houses across the land as their own brilliant ideas and important public innovations without disclosing that corporations crafted and voted on the bills. And in many cases, these state legislators 
haven't even read the bill. They just go home with a big cheesy smile on their face, waving their bill in their hand, and they can't wait to enact it because they were paid. Alec Booth, that it has over 1,000 of these bills introduced by legislative members every year, with one in every five of them enacted into law. Alec described itself as a unique, unparalleled, and unmatched organization. We agree. It is as if a state legislator had been reconstituted, yet corporations have pushed the people out the door. So you got corporations uh, crafting the bills, and then they're voting on the bills, and you got politicians bringing those bills home as if they're the ones that created it. And a lot of times those politicians may have not even read the bills. You know, they're just yeah. bringing those bills home. They're just done to benefit the corporations. So Alec wow. writes these laws that, you know, as far as we're talking about the prison industrial complex, the three strike law, Alec wrote that. That was Alex. The truth and sentencing law, that was Alec. The stand your ground law, that was Alec. So, so wait, what if, so is Alec, Alec uh, kind of like the determining factor as you know how you, I think, didn't you discuss about the, uh, the, the the percentage of prisons that need to be filled, like they have a quota of certain prisons that got to be filled to a, a maximum capacity. Is Alec kind of responsible to keep the quota in place? Yes, because you have corporations on, on that board, like um, Corrections Corporation of America. You got yes, Geo PCA. Group. Yeah, and um, there, was, there was another another main one. You know, a couple. There's one here out of Tennessee, but you've got these groups. Yeah, you got these groups that they they have these private prisons. They need to make money for these private prisons. They're getting labor from Unicor. Prison quotas push lawmakers to fill beds and derail reform. This is from the Huffington Post on September twentieth, two thousand thirteen. After three violent inmates escaped from an Arizona private prison in July 2010, prompting a two-week multi-state manhunt, state corrections officials demanded improvement and stopped sending new inmates to what is called a dysfunctional 3,300-bed facility. Less than a year later, the company that runs the prison, Management and Training Corporation, threatened to sue the state a line in their contract guaranteed that the prison would remain 97% full. They agreed that they had lost nearly $10 million from reduced inmate populations. State officials renegotiated, renegotiated the contract, but ended up paying $3 million for empty beds as the company continued to address the problems. So you have prisons, once these private prisons open up, they need to get them filled. The prison is like a hotel nowadays, now that it's on the stock market. And they have yeah. beds, and they don't like those beds to be empty. It would be like opening up a hotel with um, 1,000 rooms, and you're only 300 people you know, or less. You feel that, well, the hotel yeah. is going to start to lose money. Well, yeah. the prisons aren't going to lose money because they agreed with the state that if we build this prison in your state, you're going to keep it 97% full. And if it starts to get less than full, you're going to pay us an additional $10 million, basically, is what happened in Arizona. 
So wow. in a case like that, why should Arizona or any other state that have these private prisons, why should they create laws that, to help the, you know, the social environment? And they'd be better off keeping crime going so they can keep the prisons filled. Why don't they I mean, spend money on education, you think, or more money on education? Than... That's not going to help out Vanguard. That's not going to help out any of the, the corporate interests. You know, the, yeah. corp, the corporate interests, you know, they, they their main concern, and just like in the movie 13, um, the, the documentary, when she was uh, interviewing the guy from Alec, uh, when she kind of backed him up into a corner, she was real cordial with him, but he, he had to just come out and say, we don't care about social issues. We just care about the bottom line. And the bottom yeah. line is they want those prisons full, period. They need bodies. Yeah, yeah they need bodies. So the, the, as far as anything social, Alec ain't worried about that. They're, 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 you know, not unless they start to lose too many corporations that are funding them, because I know a lot of yeah. corporations pulled out from them, you know, you look at yeah, Whole Foods, and you got a couple other ones that you know received you know bad press from the from the people who they cater to, you know, and they said, well, I'm surprised Victoria's Secret is still part of that, you know, I'm yeah, I mean, yeah. who would yeah who would who would want to <laughs> go get their you know loved one uh, lingerie made by prison slave labor. When we get oh, when we get these celebrities that go up with their clothing line, and then it comes <laughs> out that their clothing line was made in Asia, and the people that that was, was that made it was only getting paid like twenty five cents a week or something. We say, well, that's yeah. slave labor. You can't do that. We're not going to buy your clothes. But now here we are. We're creating more laws to keep these prisons full, so we can get this made. And now now they're able to uh, create clothing lines. Using slave labor and nobody complains. May, well, because the slave labor comes from the United made States. in America, and it's called yeah, made, made in, in America. America. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> isn't that awful? That is brutal, man. It's brutal. You know, it's not a laughing matter, but it's just crazy how 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 crazy it is, and it's just you know it's out there, and it, people ain't even really like either they don't care or, or, or something. It doesn't really matter something to the people, really. You know I mean? They're still buying Victoria's Secret. don't matter if it's made in the prison or whatever. It's just crazy, man. Yeah, Burger King, Walmart, you know, some of the, a lot of the little things, you know, I, I, I reckon that what the container that you put your fries in and different stuff like that is probably yeah. made by Unicorn. Yeah, but, um, yeah, they're they're making they they get free slave labor out of it, and they're allowed to exactly. do it because of the exception clause in the Thirteenth Amendment. A lot yeah. of people don't understand that. A, well, why don't you like President Lincoln? He's the one that freed the slaves. Well, no, he didn't. If you read his writings, he he didn't care about the slaves one bit. Yeah, you see a car commercial, and then you know how they give you like the big the big letters. And then when they get near the end of the commercial, they put all that little lettering underneath it, and they don't tell you. <laughs> Just like yeah. that. You know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. Just like that. That's messed up, man. Wow. There's a lot of dynamics that go into this prison industrial complex, but you can follow the, the seamless line all the way through of this, how this country is funded. If you look at the CIA, I was reading this book called The Devil's Chessboard by David Talbot. and even in the 1950s when we bombed Guadalajara, um, yes. 
the United Fruit Company was making a killing off of slave labor in Guatemala. They were wow. taking people, the United Fruit Company from the United States, they were taking people who were tied together by ropes and delivering them to plantations to pick fruit. And when That's when they crazy. wanted to um, when they wanted to nationalize their when they wanted to nationalize their fruit their crops and then have the yeah. farmers you know have have it be owned by the actual people of Guatemala that's that's why we went to war with them because we can't have that we we've been going to war for corporate interests for longer so Alec is nothing new. It's just, you know, it's all about the corporate interests. It's the same reason we went into the Congo, took down Patrice Lumumba. Uh, The the Congo, that was uh, our biggest source of not only tin and copper, but uranium. The the uranium that that was used in the bomb to to bomb Hiroshima, that came from the Congo. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so when when uh, when their leader Patrice Lumumba wanted to nationalize all their natural resources, and then have the people benefit from the natural resources, you know, well, that's why we went and took him out. Wow, yeah. it's all you know. This is it's all it's all about doing you know for the corporation here. Nothing's about yeah. bringing democracies because we've taken down many democracies that um, threaten the bottom line of the corporations that that we wanted to protect. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, so that's why, that's why, you know, I, that's, even when I joined the military when I was young, you know, everybody, you know, was talking about bringing democracy to this people and bringing democracy to those people. Well, don't they want democracy? What is, shoot, do you know how many countries we took down that had democracy? Iran. Uh, you know, but then I, the, Iran had democracy. They had uh, an elected leader, an elected leader, but this uh, elected leader was going to take Anglican Oil's share of the land that they took and, and nationalize it, pay them off, give the land back to the people so that the country can make the money on their own oil. And that's why we took them out and put the Shah yeah. back in. Yeah, that's right. right. And that's all. That's all. That's all. The CIA's war. That's the only thing to me. In my own personal opinion, the CIA needs to be disbanded. And until the CIA, until the CIA gets disbanded, we will always take countries to war for corporate interests. That was the main yeah. goal of Alan Dulles, and that's the. And you know, they would use euthanisms so that they can vilify people. Like it was easy to do in the Cold War. If they didn't like you, you were a communist. Period. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure. and you know, then you got the communists, and then black people—they're easy to pick out because they got black skins. You know, <laughs> so yeah. um, you know, it's, it's the more I, the more I learn, the more evil it is. But it all just goes back to where someone asked the, the question one time. Well, if Money is so evil. If the Bible says money is evil, why, you know, our church is always asking for it. But then I always have to, to answer by saying the Bible doesn't say that money is evil. Money is not evil. The Bible says the love of money is what's evil. Is evil. 
Yes, First uh, Timothy chapter 6. The love of money is what's evil. And all the wars that has been happening, you know, since the late 1800s, even the one in Hawaii, has all been over money. Right, right. That's another episode right there, though, brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But then that's the base of the prison industrial complex. The prison yeah. industrial complex, that we, we have money to spend, and rather than spend that money on actually helping communities improve themselves and improving education, it's, yeah. more, it's more feasible to spend that money on the prisons because now, now you're in a position to where you're locked in, to where, okay, you've got this private prison that has this long, probably 50-year contract, and you agree yeah. to keep that prison ninety seven percent full. So what yeah. happens what happens if crime stops? What happens if communities get better and heal on their own? You know, what happens if the churches start doing their job and start preaching the gospel and bringing people to Christ and people get uh, you know get get away from some of these stuff that's bringing them down and bringing their communities down? Well, if crime starts to drop in the u s well, then we got a problem because we need these prison beds filled. Well, they don't don't, 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 don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. Alex will come up with a law. Alex will exactly. come up with a law to imprison more people so we can keep those beds yeah. filled. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know, but hey, I'm going to drop a jewel before we dip out this piece. Hey, the United States spends about $80 billion a year on incarceration. Do the math. Somebody's getting paid. Lots of people getting paid while we're paying into that shit. So there you go. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. All right. Well, is there, is there anything else you want, want to add or say about this prison industrial complex? Um, I mean, we can always go back to it another time, bro. You know what I mean? Because there's always going to be another story or whatever to bring into it. So, I mean, let's end it here and uh, get on to the next time, next discussion next time. You know what I mean? The podcast is Graffiti Talk Radio. The website is graffititalkradio.net. We archive hip-hop history. We interview artists, producers, book authors, and we interview underground and independent artists. And now we're going to have some roundtable discussions and discuss some of today's issue. This episode is called The Prison Industrial Complex. Please come to the website and look at the show notes and links for this program and leave a comment. And we can be reached through the contact page of the site. Thank you and peace. One.